Welcome back to Hoops HD, everybody. It is Monday, March 21st. The Sweet 16 is set, and we're here with our Hoops HD Report Sweet 16 edition. I'm your host, Chad Sherwood. Joined to my sides up here, David Dorman and John Titel, coming to us from San Diego, where he was just at the first and second round games. Joby Fortson below me, his sides, um, David Griggs, and at least John Salika's screen. I don't think we have his video at the moment. Um, Live at the ACA tournament right now before ones of people. Oh, yeah. well, that's why there's no video because I'm surprised you even have Wi Fi there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, I had to log on to a neighbor's Wi Fi to make that work. Yeah, um, the ACA tipping off this week. We're working on it. We, Very we, we, so. We, we, we're, we're doing about as good as the TBC is doing in getting uh, teams in to play. Yeah. So, uh, the basketball classic having a little bit of problems. But uh, let's. Get right to it, I guess. Here, you know what? Before we get even into the uh, the games that played, uh, you want to hit a little bit of the coaching news here, Griggs? I believe, correct? Well, yeah, there's been lots of it. Uh, I know Stalika has been keeping up with it. Um, I've been keeping up with, it, and the reason I know that is because he's been who I've been keeping up with. <laughs> but uh, what are some of the big ones? Al Goldwyn, the Florida. Uh, Sean Miller back at Xavier. Uh, Mac McCann today leaving Murray State going to LSU. Uh, okay, first of all, I don't know who Al Goldwyn is. Uh, I do know that Todd Golden <laughs> left San Francisco. He's at Florida now. <laughs> Al Golden, that, that's what I said. Al Goldwyn. the coordinator for Miami and Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I said, Todd Golden. Uh, I, I guess, Tytel, let me ask that. you that. The big news for Sleeka, let me ask you. Sean Miller, your ex-Arizona coach, back at Z- going to Xavier. Uh, can you keep him? <laughs> yes, I mean, it was interesting. Like, uh, they asked the media, some of the media asked the players and coaches from Arizona at their press conference about it, which it is topical, so I get it. And they just gave the party line. I'm happy for him to get back into coaching, and he's a good guy and all that stuff. Um, I think he can do, do good stuff there, but I'll defer to Stalika as to how the roster is looking and how good a recruiter he is. Well, <laughs> his recruiting well, practices up. might need to be yeah, well, was up. <laughs> well, in the meantime, Jonas Hayes is going to be the interim head coach while the NIT is going on. But needless to say, I'm sure Miller's first job is just going to be talking to recruits and probably figuring out who, if any, he's going to be keeping from uh, Travis Steele's recruiting class, which I understand was actually number three in the Big East. But there's also going to be people that are going to be transferring regardless of who's going to be coach. Although I'm not even sure what Steele's plan in the near-term future is going to be. Now, as far as Miller goes, there's still the possibility he could be facing a coaching suspension next season, whether that's going to be two games, nine games for, I guess, the uh, I guess the violations stemming from Arizona. Although I guess he personally wasn't implicated outside of failure to monitor. Uh, it's kind of reminds me, I was just telling Zach, who's a, uh, our good friend Zach, who's a UConn grad, just reminding him that Kevin Ollie's show cause ends in a couple of months. Like, somebody could hire him too. Now, but, uh, is is um, UConn open? <laughs> also is the age of NIL. And so, you know, there could be some interesting NILs. Uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Willard also going to Maryland. Yeah, that's, a, that's another one. That's a, Big blow to Seton Hall. I'm a big fan of Kevin Willard and the Pirates. Uh, he uh, does great things, and Maryland is a phenomenal spot for him. He will exceed, succeed there. 
Uh, yeah, the other big one, Mike White, leaving Florida for Georgia. Uh, he's kind of, you know, I don't think they really liked him there in Florida. Um, and Todd Golden coming over from San Francisco to Florida. We kind of hinted at that a moment, a few moments ago. Uh, Archie Miller, also back in the coaching Seton, business. Uh, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, Salika. Yeah, I was going to say, as far as Seton Hall goes, it seems pretty apparent that they're, they're going to be waiting for St. Peter's to finish up because Shaheen Holloway, former Pirates standout in the late 90s, early 2000s, He's more or less the successor in waiting who's already been a head assistant under Willard in the past. Well, what's great? He I mean, Delica. they had a decent year, but they were still like uh, six conference losses, four games behind Iona. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't a, know. A, a few other notes. Yeah, we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, uh, Archie Miller, like I said, is, is back in the coaching business. Also, he's at Rhode Island. Uh, looks like the Murray State head coach is off to LSU to replace uh, the kicked out the door will wade uh that that is matt mcmahon from murray state uh we're also seeing here uh chris jans uh, did he uh chris jans thank state. you he ended up in yeah, mississippi state from new mexico state and uh kenny payne out of the nba over to louisville so those are the few of the notable changes we've heard so far a lot more coming obviously as the whole carousel keeps keeps rolling around here angry frank yeah. unfortunately no uh, longer <laughs> no but but he's i believe he's going to umass is what i'm hearing so really if he does i am now a umass fan <laughs> it is not confirmed as far as i know but is certainly leaning that way let's get let's get to the actual games that were played here uh, so let, let's go ahead and pull up if i can get this to work here the screen share uh, which should be coming in and focusing in on the west region first of all going to kind of go through what happened here and also get some get some picks from each of you uh, going forward with the bracket as is um let's start with with the gonzaga pod right up there the portland pod oh, wait, wait wait there's spoilers on here if you've dvr games and you don't okay. know the results we don't have we... the buzzer today unfortunately <laughs> uh, but, but pretend you heard one uh again uh, where are they going joe joby uh, got the the zags rolled over georgia state uh th then got a hell of a game from memphis yeah. they were down 10 at the half uh, before they, they moved on. those are the sort of games and you're hitting it the memphis gonzaga game is really what we should focus on uh, because those are the sort of games that every it seems like every national champion has one of these where, boy, it's nip and tuck. Memphis, you know, Memphis got in foul trouble or they could have maybe taken out the Zags and they didn't have the depth that the Zags did. Plus, Drew Timmy had an amazing second half uh, that really showed uh, really showed his strength as a player and a leader uh, in not just for Gonzaga, but uh, college basketball generally is all American status. Um, give Memphis credit. They gave everything that the Zags could handle. Everything. The defense, I loved how Memphis was just in the grill of what were often taller Gonzaga players and uh, just brutal out toughed them, out fought for balls. Give Penny credit on this. Uh, they fell short, but there is no shame of what Memphis did. Uh, in this one, it showed what Memphis's ceiling is. I still believe they have a low floor and a high ceiling, but they did show their ceiling. And like I said, let's see if the Gonzaga, let's see if Gonzaga then can take this, build this, and make this into the Mark Few's first national champion. It is still very much out there for them. Uh, yeah, Dorman. Yeah. Uh, Dorman. The uh, their opponent next is Arkansas, who. Ugly got you know, got a close one over Vermont, got an ugly one over a New Mexico State team that had, that had upset UConn, and is now the sole SEC team left of this tournament. 
I was high on the SEC. I was singing the praises all year long. And uh, like you said, Chad, only Arkansas remains. As far as this matchup with Gonzaga, if you want to knock off a team as talented, as deep, as big as Gonzaga, you got to have someone on the offensive end that can just go crazy, just go off. J.D. Note on Arkansas, number one, is fantastic with the ball in his hands. He can go to the basket. He can step back and hit threes. If he is hot and, and can hit his big shots, they can play and hang around with Gonzaga with a chance to beat him in the end. Yeah, uh, the bottom half of the West region there, Titel, you were you were coming from San Diego. You were there uh, at all all like at the first and second round games. You did not were not in Dayton, obviously, for the Rutgers Notre Dame game, which kind of started off this little bracket here with that double overtime thriller in the first four. Uh, but how about? Texas Tech, who uh, became a rare team that actually beat an ACC team in this tournament in the second round there, especially. Yeah, I had my whole uh, Jersey Mike sponsorship set up for the Rutgers run, and then it all fell through, unfortunately. Um, Alabama-Notre Dame, a wow. uh, decent game. Uh, it was the Cormac Ryan show. He hit a career-high seven threes for the Irish, and uh, just uh, it was close throughout. The score is, I think the final score is larger than the game was indicating, but uh he played great. And then uh, Texas Tech blew the doors off Montana State. Think about this. Number one adjusted defensive efficiency in the nation, and they're scoring 97 points. I mean, talk about a combination that is built for March. And then in the game between the Irish and the Red Raiders, uh, close throughout, Ryan didn't really show up. Um, Dane Goodwin almost won it single-handedly. He had a nice second half, and Blake Wesley helped out as well, the freshman for Mike Bray. But uh, just too much Texas Tech. And Kevin O'Banner, I mean, talk about a story. He makes the Sweet 16 last year at Oral Roberts. He makes the Sweet 16 this year at Texas Tech. He's played five tournament games. He's got five double-doubles. Just unbelievable. And if you need a coach to root for, I highly recommend Mark Adams. Granted, he's got 27 career wins, and the coach he'll face next is Mike Krzyzewski, who has 1,200 career wins, but just the <laughs> nicest guy. He's like your sweet old grandpa or something, and I love Mark Adams now. Yeah, uh, Griggs, uh, as you mentioned, the next coach up is Coach K, uh, who – uh, Duke blew out Fullerton in the first round, but then uh, good game for Mich- with Michigan State. A real good game, I thought. A lot closer to that final score after Michigan State had a thriller with Davidson in the first round. Yeah, it was very, very close, actually. Like, uh, Duke opened it up at the end with free throws when Michigan State trying to get back into it, but I want to say it was tied with a minute to go or less than two minutes to go. Um, and I, I'm just kind of stunned. This is one of the more this is one of the bigger upsets of the tournament because you just simply don't pick against the seven seeded Michigan State. Uh, but the, you know, Duke moving on. Uh, the ACC I think handled itself okay in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't want to concede Joby's point that they were underappreciated because yeah, they had some wins, but they have not beaten anyone that has made it as far as the sweet 16. <laughs> There's no buzzer. There's no buzzer. They <laughs> know <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Um, Duke, Texas, Duke, Texas tech up next though. Uh, though Griggs, uh, do you think that, that Duke keeps it going against the red Raiders? Uh, I, 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 not to sidestep it, but I really don't know what I am is very, very intrigued by this matchup. Texas tech is just masterful on defense they can suffocate teams i was actually kind of surprised that they 
uh, suffocated Notre Dame as much as they did because as much as they can pack it in, they can also extend out and guard the circle too. And, you, you know, Duke, obviously a lot of offensive weapons and it's just the unstoppable force against the immovable object who wins. Yeah, Duke can beat them, but don't be surprised if they don't. Texas Tech is just really difficult to play against. Yeah, they. Uh, this should be. A, this is a you know final four quality good game here in the in the yeah. Sweet Sixteen round. I think these two teams. Uh, let's uh, let's go down to the East region and uh, Sleek. Let me start with you. The games at Fort Worth there, uh, where we saw uh, Baylor had a little bit of trouble against North Carolina, and then it, the tables got reversed. And but then somehow North Carolina found a way to overtime. Yeah, this was a game where easily I was probably tuning out up to the point where it became a 25-point blowout, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm probably going to change the channel, watch Uncle Buzz and the NIT, except funny little thing happened. Brady Manick gets a flagrant two. I mean, we watched all the replays, but they never showed any real time where it just seemed to be a quicker elbow, and it changed the, it changed the dynamic in a heartbeat with Baylor getting nine points within a minute, and they were eventually able to tie the game in regulation, but never got the lead in overtime in Carolina. Even though they lost Manic and I think love their point guard, it's a good thing Baycott didn't foul out because otherwise they would have really been DOA. But the heels survive, and as strange as it sounds, they now get the pathway of a number one. Yeah, but you don't know, Saliga, the, my, the thing with this was after the Baylor's incredible comeback uh, following the, the ejection there, uh, the fact that Carolina found a way to regroup in overtime stunned me. I thought it was over when the game went to overtime. Well, it certainly seemed that way given the momentum. But like I said, Baycott was the one that really bailed them out because he was the only main person they had left. Uh, Jordan Davis had the game of his life. Yeah, he did. I mean, Jordan Davis in the three-point play, the old-fashioned three-point play he had to extend it to six in overtime. That's when all of a sudden you looked up and go, Holy moly, Carolina's about to be up six with a minute to go in overtime. And that's when you that's when you all of a sudden said, baby, th- this thing might be over because you just assumed when it got to overtime that Baylor would do, you know, when a team loses a 25 point lead, you go, oh, well, that team's toast in overtime, especially with two starters out and with Manic supplying 50 percent of the points practically up to that point <laughs> you know, when he went out. So uh it was very much a gritty performance. I'll give, you know, besides that awful last play that Hubert Davis called in regulation, uh, the, you know, this was, this was Davis calming down his, uh, calming down his crowd and his team and showing that, Hey, maybe he can coach, you know, with all the questions that were brought up during the season, maybe he is the right guy for this job because he managed some really high level players without a deep bench at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a quick, just a quick comment on this game. It felt very strange. It was an overtime game that felt like a blowout all the way through. I've never well, seen it was a blowout all the way through. Feel, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, it didn't feel like a comeback, but it was just yeah, an overtime game that was never really close. Uh, Dor- Dorman, Carolina's next opponent is UCLA, who. Uh, Got a heck of a test from Akron and then looked really good against. I thought was I I thought St. Mary's was going to beat him in this game. So uh, Bruins showing a lot. Was with you. I love St. Mary's in this game. It was not to be, and I thought UCLA would get by Akron no problem. And halfway through the second half, I was like, Akron's got this, and uh, UCLA has experience. 
They've been there before. They were just there last year. And there's really nothing like experience and guys that have been there before. And down the stretch in the Akron game, when they needed buckets, they went. And they got the ball to the guys, Juzang and Juarez. And they're guys that have been there before who took the shots they knew they could hit and that were good looks at the basket. They also started to defend a lot better. Cronin got on his guys. UCLA started to get a lot closer on their defense man-to-man. Then against St. Mary's, they really played exceptional. That was the best I've seen them playing in probably a few months. Um, they really looked uh, really, really solid. And I'm excited for this game coming up with Carolina. Because UCLA and Carolina is a little bit – UCLA has no problem slowing it down. Carolina probably liked to get up and down a little more. Um, Cronin had probably has a little slight edge over Hubert Davis on the coaching angle. But like Joby just said, I, Hubert Davis, before he got to the Carolina bench and was Roy Williams' assistant, was in TV. Then he, then he was Roy Williams' assistant. Now he's the head coach. There's nothing like being a head coach and making decisions. This was his first season doing it. He's really learning this year and picking up stuff. So I know the Carolina faithful were all over him early in the season, but I think he's done a really good job the last four to six weeks. Yeah. Um, Titel, having been around Texas Tech fans here, uh, on top of the fact that their team is in the Sweet 16, the second best news I think that probably was that their former coach is not in the Sweet 16. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) After Purdue uh, looked pretty good in the first two rounds of one of the, all the way to the Sweet 16. Yeah, it was a uh, very rough day for the Titel extended family as my sister went to Texas and my brother-in-law went to Wisconsin. So we almost uh, enrolled in group therapy late last night until Benedict Matherin saved the day. Uh, no, Purdue is good. They got NBA-level talent. They got a coach who has maybe not gotten the final four in Matt Painter, but he's got a lot of tournament experience, not that Beard doesn't. And they got size, and that's a winning combination. I know the Big Ten has certainly been up and down in this tournament, but – uh, solid win, and I think Purdue is arguably the favorite to come out of the East now. Uh, they arguably are, but and, and Griggs, let me go to you for the pod that was the best pod of them all in this tournament. Uh, pair of overtime games in the first round with Murray State taking down San Fran and St. Peter's with the incredible upset of Kentucky, then following it up for the second straight year, we've got a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. It was I, – I just want to say, like, Murray State and Kentucky, uh, I think it's been noted they're in the same state. Kentucky has never played them, not even once, ever. And the links they will go through to avoid playing them are astounding. Um, I'll start with – well, okay. I'll start with the Murray State San Francisco game. Uh, I know Rocco's been kind of big on this, but when you have teams that are either from like the under the radar conferences and or typically don't have a long, rich tournament history, you kind of hate to see them paired against each other in the first round. I guess the upside is that it means one of them will be in the round of 32, but the downside is you, you would kind of like to root for both of them. Uh, and here they were matched up against each other. Murray State getting it done in overtime. They ground it out. They didn't shoot particularly well in this game, for a, at least not as well as they're capable of or if they had at times. But then again, they were playing a different team. And after St. Peter's beat Kentucky, I, I just – 
I know it wasn't a one over a 16 and it's a lot of people would say that this is not the biggest upset in tournament history, but I would argue that if it's not, that it's absolutely the second biggest. Uh, This was a team that was never really in the under the radar top 10 that didn't really get a whole lot of talk on our under the radar podcasts. I would have characterized them as a decent Metro Atlantic team not even really particularly good. They were four games behind Iona. I want to say they had six losses to teams outside the top 250 of the net. There was no indication that I had seen. And it's not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I watched all 30 of their games, but I did watch more than what most people probably did. I know you probably did too, Chad. There was nothing at all that indicated that they were capable of staying within 15 points of Kentucky, much less beating them. Griggs, I'd argue that, 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 uh, and again, we're talking on the, on the men's side here that, that in terms of this upset, but uh, I would argue that there was nothing that told me that they would stay within 15 points of Murray state. And there's nothing that yeah. told me that Murray state would stay within 15 points of Kentucky. So uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. It, it, it's still mind boggling. And you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, we do the under the radar podcast. One of the big things we like to do with them, those shows is talk about teams that we think have a shot to win. Should they make the NCAA tournament? And we get very upset when those teams lose their conference tournaments because we saw how awful it was when UMBC got in instead of Vermont uh, in 2018. We saw how awful it was last year when Oral Roberts got in instead of South Dakota State and how awful it was this year when St. Peter's got in instead of that Iona team that was dominant in the Metro Atlanta. Uh, So I I, I give up on on, on all of this after seeing this this year. Uh, Absolutely amazing for the Like the Oral Roberts team and to an extent the UMBC team had decent outside shooting and it's like, okay, if they can get hot, Maybe they can stay with them. I don't know. Like, I remember feeling as surprised, maybe even more by this than I was by UMBC over Virginia. And that's not to say that that wasn't stupefying, but I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I This was harder for – Oral Roberts over Ohio State was unexpected. This was literally jaw-dropping. Well, uh, I'll tell you <laughs> what. Uh, Stalika, can the Peacocks keep going? Do they have a shot against Purdue? They'll probably have a shot within the first half or so. I just think <laughs> Purdue has too deep of a bench for the Peacocks' magic run to keep going. Yeah, and heck, heck of a run it was. But let, let, let's jump over to the Midwest League. Let me stick with you here as uh, beginning that top pod there. Kansas, a uh, little bit of a struggle against Cre- a Creighton team that, that was kept losing players and kept fighting all, this entire season. Well, we've already known about Nemhard being out ever since the St. John's Jan- game and now you throw out their seven foot center and Kalkenbrenner that certainly narrowed the Blue Jays bench a bit but they kept hanging around and I mean it's we've come full circle with McDermott they've now actually become a, a pretty good defensive team in the past few years and they certainly took Kansas to the wall but just too thin of a bench to keep moving on but that being said it was a nice comeback just for Creighton to get to the second round because they looked like they were dead and buried against San Diego State and managed to come back from a double-digit deficit. Yeah, and Joby, now they get Providence, who uh, really look good. I'm, I, I, I'm really impressed by them in this, these first two. I'm games. absolutely shocked. Yeah, we talk about shocks of St. Peter, and certainly that's the biggest shock in this tournament. But right behind it is not the fact that Providence, who's just merely made their seed level to get here, but they weren't projected – they were an underdog 
versus <laughs> versus Richmond. They were like a two point favorite against South Dakota State. It's crazy, yo. The, and but you know what? It gives me a smile that they are the flag bearers of the Big East. It makes I know it makes Miguel Vecchio so happy. <laughs> co flag bearers, co flag. Well, Villanova's still in this tournament, but uh... yeah, yeah exactly. but but Providence has been extremely impressive. They've done it the way they you know tough defense and the gaps of their uh, of their wins. Uh, maybe it runs up a ground against Kansas. Uh, you know, you would presume it does, but you got to give uh, a lot of credit because. Now, in particular, that South Dakota State Province game in particular stands out. I thought South Dakota State was going to take them out, and it wasn't even close. And it's because Province got on the perimeter and drove South Dakota State crazy, and South Dakota State couldn't shoot their threes that they like to do uh, from the back because they had a hand in their face. On the other side, Iowa showed that sometimes those Sunday runs by a somewhat surprising, I mean, I wasn't out of the blue surprise big 10 winner, but sometimes those Sunday runs take all they got out of you. And they, they, they were just tired. The, 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 the curse of that they big 10 conference tired. tournament championship. It continued this year. They really, yeah, I think that was part of it, Joby. Another thing is Richmond is another team that can be hard to play against because they're not, very typical they cut and they screen really well and for a team that plays man defense I, I I just think that if you watch that game Richmond cut them apart and going into the Providence game I, I remember thinking well Providence also plays man defense let's see if Richmond can do it again and, and they did not well there's uh, a difference <laughs> between Providence's defense and Iowa's Iowa's Iowa wins because they make shots from the outside and they fill you up uh, on the basket, but their defense has always been junk. You know, dormant. If I told you a team from Iowa was going to be in the sweet 16, you would assume I meant the Hawkeyes, Uh, not the Cyclones who (laughs) maybe not a huge surprise because LSU was without a coach, but then to take down whiskey in the second round. Surprised me. Not only Wisconsin, but they beat him in um, Milwaukee, which was basically a home crowd for Wisconsin. But uh, Wisconsin fell flat. They were ice cold. They were they couldn't hit a three, and yet they kept jacking them up. It was like enough. Go down low. Make you know. Go back door. Something. And they just kept taking bad shot after bad shot. And Iowa State likes you know. Iowa State's not going to outscore you, but if you want to play a game in the fifties, Iowa State's all in, and they can beat you. And that's what they did to the Badgers. I tell you what, we give an award. Every, we give a couple awards every year. One of them is to the worst power conference team. We gave yeah. this award. We gave our award. We called the Stallings Award to Iowa State last year. Only two wins all season. What an amazing turnaround! To suddenly be in the Sweet amazing. Sixteen. Incredible. Uh, two wins from the Final Four, uh, and possibly a winnable game, Griggs, in the next round. And I got to give yeah. you credit. I hate doing so, Griggs. You called Miami <laughs> to the Sweet Sixteen, and you were right. Yeah, Miami was just a team. I. I didn't understand why they weren't getting more respect than what they were. I mean, you know, they wanted Duke. They looked pretty good to me. I thought their paper was good. I mean, I guess a 10 seed wasn't totally outrageous, but I think I had them on the seven line, which in the grand scheme of things, I guess wouldn't have changed anything. They would have had the same path, but no, I like this Miami team. I'm impressed with what Iowa state's done, but I think Miami goes one more game. I don't probably only one more game. I think Kansas yeah, probably is still only such a powerhouse one more, but in this conference. Y- you know, 
Um, no. no, I agree with that. But uh, I like Larinaga as a coach. I think he's phenomenal. I think they've looked good for a lot of times of the year. Maybe I just got them on all their on nights. But, no, I, I've liked this Miami team a lot. Titel, uh, as we mentioned before, you were in San Diego. Your Wildcats were there, uh, and they ended the first weekend with uh, with keeping us up very, very late with an overtime game last night. <laughs> yes, uh, for those of you waiting for my recap of it, you're gonna have to wait a little longer because uh, I kind of I think I blacked out in overtime because I don't remember <laughs> anything about the overtime. Um, but yes, uh, certainly uh, Wright State uh, gave us a run. I think it was within single digits well into the second half, but they hung around and then. Uh, Dorman is a big uh, Kevin Miller fan. I got to tell you, he did not do much against TC with 42 points, but hopefully he can do a little better in College Park. And then the overtime thriller, thriller, like you said, the stats I need to mention are for Christian Coloco, the junior center out of Cameroon. Um, He was like nothing his first two years in Tucson. And this year he exploded. And then in March, he's taken it to another level. So against Wright State, 17 points, 13 boards, six assists, five blocks. Nobody's ever done that in the tournament. Against TCU, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 92% field goal shooting. The only other human being who's done that in the tournament history, Bill Walton back in the NCAA title game in the 70s when he went 21 of 22 in that legendary performance to beat Memphis. This kid who was doing nothing last year is now the dominant stat stuffer in the NCAA tournament. I couldn't be happier, but I just can't explain it. He's unstoppable. Yeah, I'll tell you the other things to note, uh, the fact that Creasa was on, was on the court for Arizona uh, yesterday, uh, and I still think that TCU's players' nose is still bleeding uh, right now. That was one of the nastier headbutts yeah, I've, I've seen. But I, go ahead, Greg, real quick. Well, yeah, I don't think it was intentional. It was that perhaps wasn't. clumsy, but not intentional at all. And, you yeah. know, you mentioned – how about – all four of the one versus eight slash nine games were ridiculously good. Um, this one went to overtime, North Carolina also going to overtime and winning, it, you know, and it's just part of me when you see an effort like that from an eight or a nine seed, if they're coming from a multi-bid league, which I think all of them did this year, I can't help but wonder, you know, had you played like that all year, you wouldn't have been in that game. You, you would have, had a much more manageable game in the round of 32. <laughs> like, uh, Memphis, Memphis preseason was top 20. I mean, yeah, they were. Great example. that is a great yeah. example. And, and if Memphis done played like they did in their first two, because we glossed over the Boise state trouncing. You know, yeah. Memphis had played exactly like that. They would have indeed been a protected seed. I dare yeah. say, even because they swept Houston and they would have taken that spot. Uh, Stalika, uh, Arizona's next opponent is Houston, who they look very good. And probably the game in, the, in this pod, though, was that first round between Illinois and Chattanooga. Uh, but Illinois joined the path of all these Big Ten teams that then decided to all fall in the second round after they finally had a good first round. But <laughs> but that was it. Well, unfortunately for Illini fans, it's going to be back-to-back years where they end their runs early in the second round. And at the same token, give credit to Houston that was also – a trendy upset pick against UAB and that never materialized. And then they eventually hit the gas, go into fifth gear and pull away from Illinois late in that one. And Kelvin Sampson seemed to be a little enthused post game. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, Houston's resume never matched up with their metrics. I think their metrics showed uh, in so far in this tournament that this 
is a good team, even though they didn't have those big wins on their resume. Uh, I think yeah. it'll be a fascinating yeah. game against Arizona, and I um, don't think that this is an easy pass to Arizona to the Elite I, I, I got to credit Rocco for this. I, I did not realize this. I think he tweeted this today. Uh, t- uh, that win against Illinois was Houston's first win over a single-digit seed in either tournament. Their path to the Final Four a year ago was a 15, 10, 11, and 12. Yep. Uh, first, it was their first win over a single-digit seed since Akeem Olajuwon was playing. For, <laughs> wow. for, is th- no, is that yeah. right? That is that is the truth. That is dead serious. Oh, we, we, good. Yeah, we've been hard on – yeah. We've been hard on Houston, but I will say this. No one plays – they play every possession on defense like it's their last. They play yeah. with such intensity and such grit. You don't have to like Samson. I get it, whatever. He has his guys on defense playing, given everything they've got. And I really just admire that with the losses they had early in the season to Sasser and company. The way that I just love the intensity and the passion they play with. David, I'm with you. I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely crazy. And it's not that Cokeburn had a bad game. It's that they were in his grill the whole time with multiple people. And that's what you have to do. And they did. Yep. And the other Illini and I did not pick up the pace like they did at the tail end of the Chattanooga game. Yeah. I, and I think we're all with you on that, David. I mean, we were all impressed with what they did after losing such key players. It's just that on paper, they looked like an eight seed. And on the court, they looked like an eight seed. But in this tournament, they've looked like a protected seed. <laughs> uh, Dorman, let me yeah. go back to you with this next pot here in Indianapolis, uh, which saw Michigan, the 11 seed, uh, fall down early to Colorado State and then turn it on and never turned it off for the next two games. <laughs> I was, I, I was again surprised uh, by the way they handled Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, I thought coming into this tournament was championship good. I, I know we've had our issues with Barnes, and Barnes can't get out of the first two rounds, and that showed up again. But I really thought this Tennessee team was deep and talented and they had the offensive weapons to contend and really get out of this region. But Michigan showed up and Dickinson played big and a Gbabwe down low and Michigan was game and hit some shots and now they move on and they play Villanova. Yeah, and, and Joby, it is, it is Villanova up next who uh, took down another Big Ten team. Uh, the Big Ten did get two teams through at least, but, uh, you know. Uh, I was impressed but- Ohio State actually – handled Loyola so effectively. I I was pegging that as an upset, and Vegas pe- pegged that as an upset. Loyola was actually favored over Ohio State. So good for the give, – give the Buckeyes credit for such an amazing defense and Loyola not showing up. 41 points is both defense and bad offense. But, but then we turn to Villanova. Villanova had this game. They were cruising. And Ohio State, to their credit, crawled back to draw it even – And then here's why I like this Villanova team long-term in this tournament. Then Villanova trotted out, oh, you fouled Samuel. He's the easiest one to foul when you're trying to catch up. Oh, he's a 77% free throw shooter. He was the worst they had on the floor. I mean, that free throw shooting is going to come in. It is such a nice thing to have. If Villanova has a lead like they were able to grab in a back-and-forth game late with Ohio State, once Villanova had a two-possession lead, they weren't going to give it up. They absolutely weren't. And that is an impressive – they've had their tough game. I think this villain uh, – there's a lot of good yet to come 
for this Villanova team. And, you know, Jay Wright, I think, knows how to coach in these tournaments. I'm just going to go on a limb on that. Yeah, yeah he, he's done pretty good in the past. <laughs> I'm going to kind of scroll back here, see if I can get all the Sweet 16, or at least most of the Sweet 16, into a single screen here. I'm not sure if they quite all fit there. I think you can. Uh, oh, but, no, 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 you've got uh, it. Okay. It's a little bit cut off there, but let's try one more time here. I know it's kind of small, but uh, what I want to do is run through each of you now. Given where we are on the Sweet 16, uh, where do you stand now in terms of your final four and your national champion? I, it, it may still be your same picks. I personally had Gonzaga beating Arizona in the finals. I'm sticking with it. Uh, but Titel, where are you? Are, are you still there? And who, who's your final four right now With uh, as we head to the next to this next weekend? Um, I think it's safe to have the Zags in Arizona. They certainly both looked beatable and both could have lost. But I think that they can use that to say, hey, guys, we have to bring the A game every night. Um, as far as the East, um, I think way back in November, not that I even remember last week, like I think I picked the Bruins to win it all. So I don't love that they have to go across the country, but I think I'll have them to come out of the East. And for the Midwest, I think it is uh, Kansas is to lose just because they're so good. How about you, Griggs? Um, well, let, let's see. I had Kentucky and Arizona. I think I'm going to m- make a change. You guys stick with Kentucky? Yes, I'm going to stick with Kentucky. This is going to be kind of surprising. Is it the unstoppable force or the immovable object? I'm going with the immovable object. And I know that I've kind of been pointing, I don't want to say critical, but quick to point out that while they had some very high caliber road wins, they were, uh, they didn't have that many overall road wins. I'm going with Texas Tech. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, I, I, am tempted North Carolina has looked really good in this tournament and I've been on their bandwagon all year as you know if you follow the show I've been a big fan of them I I think it's going to be Texas Tech and North Carolina and a really improbable final four uh Arizona I think as as much as I like what Houston has done and what Michigan has done I, I think they take down Villanova in the elite eight and uh, th- this next one is kind of crazy. It's kind of falling apart. I'm going to go with Kansas over Miami and then Arizona winning it all against uh, Texas Tech, right. I think. Uh, Joby, are you going to go with Duke and North Carolina, the national semifinal, to, to end Coach K's career the first time ever they meet in the NCAA tournament? Or where are you going? Yeah, no, no, I do not think that'll happen. I'm not picking either. If you remember, roll the tape. My final four was Gonzaga, Villanova, Kansas, and everybody goes, Purdue? Really? Well, I'm going to stick with the Boilermakers, dang it. And I'm going to stick with the Boilermakers to win it all, all right. over, well, you, over Villanova. You're the uh, only one with a bracket alive. By the way, if you use the bracket we built last week in your in your pool, oh. which I actually did enter that bracket into a pool, oh. forget it. You're done. We were off. Salika, where are you at? <laughs> you know, there, that is a situation where so many cooks are in the kitchen. Just, just no. <laughs> No. I entered it. It wasn't my personal bracket, but I entered it just just for fun. Uh, Stalika. I'm not mistaken. Shashevsky has only lost one regional final in his illustrious coaching career, and that was back in 98 when uh, Kentucky came back big time and beat Duke. That would not go uh, well for Gonzaga should they it, meet in the – the Kevin, well, okay, technically, because when Kevin Ware broke his leg in half, I guess that didn't technically happen. Because Louisville's had okay, to vacate so all that. Yeah. Forgotten about Louisville yeah. and Duke. But by the same token, I would 
Let's not forget, Duke also had beaten Gonzaga earlier in the year back in Vegas. I don't see it being much different here in uh, San Francisco, although Gonzaga is going to bring a nice cadre of fans down to the Chase Center right here. I'm also with Joby in that Purdue's probably going to make their first Final Four since 1980. And if we go to the south, I'm going to give Villanova a slight edge over Arizona. And as far as the Midwest, it was good for Iowa State that they got to meet teams outside of the Big 12, but that's going to end when they run into Kansas in the regional finals. So I'd be looking for Kansas to come out of the Midwest. Okay. Uh, Dorman. Uh, three of my four are still alive, so we're going to stick with them. Those three were Gonzaga, Purdue, and Arizona. In the Midwest, I thought Auburn was coming through. I am going to switch it. I like this Providence team. I like the way they looked in the, uh, for the first weekend. Everyone doubted them, so they'll probably end up in the final four. Uh, with those four, I'm going to take Arizona over Gonzaga in the final. Okay. Um, I guess that finishes things up for, for, for this tournament here. Uh, a couple other notes here. First of all, uh, Joby, uh, you know, you've been watching the, uh, you and Sleek have both been watching the NIT uh, intently here, The uh, where Xavier is going to be hosting Vanderbilt, Virginia's going to be hosting State Bonaventure, the other two quarterfinals are Washington State, BYU, Wake Forest, Texas A&M, but uh, uh, how about a Virginia-Xavier game in Madison Square Garden next week? Is it going to happen? Virginia has actually, even as a six seed in the NIT, has actually been able to host two games now. Who knows? I think I think you would predict Virginia over over St. Bonaventure, but you never know in these games. So who knows? We might be able to Stalika. I'll 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 ride the train up and uh, see an MSG. Yeah, technically, I don't think they even had seeds above the uh, first four in each region. Bonaventure is actually number five and would have been hosting had they followed the seed pass previously i don't know what kind of commitment the riley center would have had this year but here's something we forgot to mention earlier at the top of the show travis Steele was still coaching xavier when they won a mud fight against cleveland state but as soon as word leaked out that apparently sean miller would have been very interested christopher pulled the, greg christopher the ad pulled the trigger probably a week or two earlier than he had expected and then it was a pretty hectic 72 hours while they were working behind the scenes. They get Miller hired and then before a crowd that went from maybe a thousand people against Cleveland State to probably closer to 4,000 against Florida. They actually played their best game in a month since the UConn game and now for the first time since 99 are probably poised to make a trip to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, just a quick note. The NIT only seated, even though there's eight teams in each of its four regions, they only seated the top four teams. Uh, that was, among other things, to allow for less travel distances between games. Yeah. And, and so you ended up with two unseated teams, actually, with the Bonnies and Virginia, the way things worked out. Uh, real quick here, uh, the CBI going on is down to almost the semifinals. Northern Colorado, UNC Wilmington, one of the semis, middle of Tennessee, playing the winner of an Ohio Abilene Christian game. The other semifinal, those will be on ESPN two coming up uh, Tuesday night, the championship Wednesday night. Uh, and uh, Griggs, I know you are intently watching the basketball classic, which started intently. with 21 teams, uh, at least three teams pulled out before they even played a game. Uh, they now have nine teams left in the quarterfinals. I don't know how you do nine teams of the quarterfinals, but they have nine teams of their quarterfinals. So uh, um we got this next year. <laughs> I, I I don't know. They're they're following the CBI model to a T. 
Uh, this, inviting teams that that don't show up, and then nine teams in your quarterfinal. I mean, the, the, that's, that's the AC8 model, Greg. <laughs> yeah, so that's the AC8. That's what I mean. The AC8 model, which followed the Vegas 16 model, which may have been the most pathetic postseason event, not just in basketball, but anywhere ever. The Vegas 16. If you missed it, uh, you didn't miss anything. Uh, yeah, let's run through it. If you've heard of the final thoughts here as we head into the uh, the regional semifinals starting Thursday night. Uh, Dorman, let me start with you. Uh, I got a good and a bad. The bad. CBS, TNT, please. I'll, these games are starting too late on the weekend. Sunday night, a school night, a work night. Um, you were tipping off after 930 on the East Coast, 830 in the Midwest. I'll let if it's got to be that late on Saturday, I can live with it on Sunday night. It's too late. I know you like one at a time to start the day, but to it, it's too late. You got to get them earlier, uh, get the audience, get everyone watching. These games are too great to be missed. Uh, the good, why I love this tournament. Um, our crew, the hoops HD, we watch it all year. We love these under the radar schools but everyone doesn't, isn't as crazy about college hoops all year long, so they don't get to these great St. Peter's stories until March. And these kids and these programs and these coaches are just as great and just as awesome as the Blue Bloods and the Kentucky and the Dukes and the North Carolinas. And this tournament is so great because of those kids shine through. And we see that you don't have to be a big-time McDonald's recruit to play in this tournament and succeed. And it's just great to see the little guys, the under the radar schools, get their opportunity, win games, and let the nation see how great all these programs are across the country. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Titel. I just wanted to do two quick things. One, uh, the Bracket Matrix uh, released their final official rankings. Um, We had some great performances. Joby is in the upper half of the Bracket newbies for the JNG, so right, bravo, yeah. Joby. Uh, Rocco Miller, out of 148 entries from the past five years, ranks a solid 28, so bravo, Rocco. And uh, saving the best for last, I was num- now number 12, so I'm just outside the top 8th percentile, and All I appreciate right. it. Uh, I have learned a lot from Joby and Rocco, so I appreciate all their knowledge. And then uh, to all of you, um, one of the reasons I like doing this is because sometimes it pays off with a courtside press pass to the NCAA tournament to see my Wildcats win. Um, I worked really hard all weekend, but I do it for you guys and for the viewers. So I hope you guys appreciate it. And even if you don't, it was still fantastic. And I hope we can keep it going. And, and I know all your Arizona alums love that question you asked at the Arizona press conference uh, about how cocky the players were, Tytel. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, hey, I always good question. I don't know. <laughs> I want a courtside seat. Uh, Why but, can't I get a courtside seat? Uh, but who is Joe Joby? You knew I was going here. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> goaded by Lee Del Vecchio over and over again. You knew I was. Uh, interesting statistic. Um, in the ACC, every single at large team won against a higher seed at some point in the tournament and every one of them that had the opportunity to do so beat two teams higher seed remember notre dame beat chad's rutgers and rutgers was higher on the seed list what are you talking about I I <laughs> but every single one of them and that didn't just sit you know with notre dame doing it, miami doing it uh north carolina getting their one win uh it also extended as we handed to the nit where virginia 
beat uh, two seeded teams on their way to the uh, Elite Eight of the NIT. So I'm not going to say, oh, the one thing I will say is, yes, the ACC performed better than we all expected, but let's not get caught up too much. I actually think the seeding was pretty accurate uh, for when you look at how things are done. Yeah, it wasn't crazy. I actually think ACC teams did better than their resumes to a degree. So let's not get caught up too much. The only thing I promise you, everybody out there from here on out, I will never, ever, ever pick a Mountain West team ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Ever again. That conference, I don't care. You know what? Colorado State had a six seed worthy resume. Boise State had an eight seed worthy. San Diego State was an eight seed. I do think Wyoming (laughs) was a joke to get a bid. But... You know what? You, they don't show up in March. Let's get a reality check. They don't. They never have. It says Utah left of the Pac-12. They have not. It, yo, good job, Mountain West, puffing up a resume. But next year, you will not fool me. Yeah. ACC and Big 12, <laughs> both with three teams left. Big East, Big 10, Big Pac-12, all with two teams left. Mountain West, 0-4. Oh uh, one of those first four, one of those four losses coming in the first four. About the worst four-team well, performance in the history of the NCAA tournament. Uh, but Salika, let me go to you. <laughs> fortunately for Joby, BYU is no longer in the Mountain West, so at least they'll have a shot to advance to Madison Square Garden against uh, Washington State, who, <laughs> by the way, were the only team that actually won at SMU in the NIT back on uh, Sunday. But going back to the NCAA tournament, we did miss a potential chance at history with uh, Chris Beard. He had beaten Matt Painter and Purdue while he was at Little Rock. He had beaten Matt Painter and Purdue while he was at Texas Tech. He could have been the first coach to beat him with three different schools, but fortunately for Painter, Purdue finally third time was the charm against Texas. <laughs> there you go. Greg, John Fisher, show off. Well, one of the things, I, I just think that the Mountain West teams uh, were sort of worn out because of just how tough it was in the league with Tim Miles being there now. And they just weren't ready for the NCAA tournament. Um, but, I, I mean, I know we kind of talked on it earlier, but just to reiterate, it, it just seems like uh, y- the upsets in this tournament, were there more? I, I need to go back and look at a, at a lot of brackets, but I guess we've always had 10 versus 11 games in the Sweet 16 and, like, but for the second year in a row, a 15 seed is beyond the round of 32. And for the second year in a row, it was a 15 seed that going into the conference tournament, no one even thought was going to be in the NCAA tournament. So two really good runs for St. Peter's. I What a great story if that would continue and for them to get to the Elite Eight. And why not? They've already shocked the hell out of me when they beat Kentucky. Oh, heck, let's just put them on this national champions. Why not? And Why not? it's, it's Why mathematically not? possible. That's uh, I, mean, I think they beat the lose. toughest team in the tournament already. So why not? If they can beat Kentucky, Jersey. they can beat anybody. Jersey uh, strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Jersey strong. <laughs> uh, I guess on that note, I do want to thank everybody for joining us. We'll be back again next Monday night with a sweet 16 recap and a final four preview. But on behalf of John Titel and David Dorman up here, Joby Fortson below me, uh, David Griggs and John Sleeka to his sides. I'm Chad Sherwood. Talk to you again real soon.